This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, just like Leicester City this season. So the only thing left to say is, you win, order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 95% of Uber Eats orders are on time, which is great. Because the only thing I care about more than football... Is spicy pepperoni pizza for kickoff. But on the off chance your order is late, Uber Eats will give you three months $0 delivery fee with a free Uber One membership. Now that's a spicy offer. On time claim based on latest arrival time shown after order is placed. Offer ends to 19-2023. Current Uber One members not eligible. Subscription will auto-renew at $9.99 each month starting three months from initial enrollment. See Uber.com slash Uber One for terms. Benefits available only for eligible stores. Order minimum supply. You are watching and listening to Chris and Lester Till I Die TV on YouTube and your favorite podcasts. Your first choice for everything Leicester City. Tune in and join in now. All right, everybody. How are we? Good morning. How the devil are we all doing? Um, yep, it's good morning, good afternoon, good day, good evening, depending what part of the world you are in, of course. The season is over. And what a season it was. Ups and downs. Um you could say a typical Leicester season, really. They always say it's like being on a roller coaster. Uh, I think there was a couple of times this season we maybe made us feel a bit sick. But, hey, that's the part. That's the joy of supporting a proper football team and not a Man City or a Liverpool. But uh, there we go. I better not get onto that topic. Got a guest today, amazing guest. And I thank him so much for coming on. That's going to have a quick look back at Leicester season uh, and what went wrong and right and good and bad and all that. Uh, a welcoming, you'll know him. He's, he's played for Leicester. He's on Leicester City Radio. Jerry Taggart. Good evening, Jerry. How you doing, Chris? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good. Now, obviously, during your career, you have won accolades. You, you know, played in important games, etc. But I have to congratulate you on. I would say, if it was me receiving this, the biggest accolade that it is possible to get. You won the Leicester Till I Die Ex Players Prediction League. Yeah, very, very, very humbled and and very happy to receive that award, Chris. Obviously, uh, some big names, some. Proper legends in that in that list, and uh, you know, always nice to see my name top of the pile. Well, okay, I mean, not just top, but you've you've man cityed it really, haven't you? I mean, a yeah, good eight points away. clear of fellow defender Walshy. Yeah, bit of a runaway, wasn't it? Bit of a landslide victory. Shall it we say. was. Oh. It was, and I, I don't want to look. You know, don't look at the bottom of the table. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had I had a bit of a Norwich year. <laughs> a good season last season, and I've gone completely down this season. But uh, now, unfortunately, I wish I could offer you a cup for that, but I'm sure just knowing it is going to be enough. That's plenty for me, mate. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so we're looking back at the uh, 21-22 season. I mean, if we look back at it, obviously hindsight's a wonderful thing, but we started off winning the Community Shield. We finished up finishing eighth in the Premier League. We yeah. got through to a European semi-final, or maybe it wasn't the one we wanted, but it was still a semi-final and got beaten, let's be honest with you, by a very good team. It hasn't been that bad a season, taking into account everything that's happened. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's important to remember that sometimes it's not how you start, it's how you finish a season. Mm. And obviously, right at the back end, with, you know, a couple of really good results away at Watford. Uh, and then, I get, you know, obviously at home to Southampton there on Sunday. Yeah. Pushes up the table in the eighth spot. Uh um, what has been a very difficult season, that is uh, a perfect way to end it, you know, simple as that. So, you know, and, and, and there's, there'll be a feel-good fa factor about the place. I know some fans will be, you know, pulling their hair out slightly, you know, why did, why did, we, you know, why did we create this form earlier on in the season and what have you. But I think it's important to finish the season well. And it's a healthy league position, no matter what you say. Uh, I mean, it's only one place. Outside of Europe. Yeah, and when you take everything into consideration, Chris, which mm. again, some people won't, <laughs> but you've got to, yeah. if you're going to analyse the season and you have to do it, you know, from, from start to finish, and that takes a lot, a lot of time. So yes. I think it's important that the team finish the season well. Last game at home, Birchie's 40th and final round. Oh, amazing. Uh, yeah. Four goals. I mean, it's a perfect way to end the season. And that just, hopefully, the fans will go away from that feeling a lot happier and a lot more uh, confident about, you know, the, the coming pre-season yeah. uh, and the subsequent season. I mean, you know, a lot of people were saying to me, well, you know, it was an easiest finish. We had Norwich and Watford were already down. Southampton, who could have been down and they not had a decent start. But... Yeah. You can only beat who's in front of you. And earlier on in the season, with everything that was going on, basically with the injuries, we might not have played that well. And you've got to remember that Norwich game, along with a Chelsea game as well, they were fixture pileups from, from COVID mm. infection. So I think there were seven, 15 games sorry, in April and May for yeah. the players to negotiate. And obviously there was the semi-final of the... Europa Conference uh, League as well. And, uh, you know, as you said, a tough tie, travelling away to Rome, uh, yeah. in between all that. So there was no let-up for the players. No. no. And it's all right, yeah, we, we did get players back towards the end of the season, but to try and get them up to match pace in such in, in such a short time is really, really difficult. But you've seen towards the end of it, uh, you know, some of the football that was being played, you know, as I said, especially at Watford and Southampton. Second half against Norwich was good as well. Uh, and the game at Chelsea, you know, they acquitted themselves really well at Chelsea. Mm. Yeah. Oh, Dave. I, I think, I think the, the, the team bus must have been full of kitchen sinks coming back up from Chelsea. <laughs> they were throwing that many at us. Yeah, but, no, absolutely. But uh, I I, I, all right, the players were coming back, but... You know, it has been a difficult season. You have to take yeah. that into consideration. And when you and then when you finish the season, you you, you see where you finish in the league. You see your points totally, total. Sorry, and then you go more. Well, what could have been? What where could we have changed things? Obviously, we might move on to the obvious place where things could have changed significantly in the season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, regarding the set pieces, but. When you've got that many players out injured for such a long space of time, it just it disrupts everything that you've planned for as a manager. It, it, oh, definitely. It, it, as a fan, I think you look. Up, I always say you look up fan in the dictionary. And it says fickle. You know, we are we are that way. And the more, the better we do, the better we want to do. And yeah. you know, we very much. Uh, and I, I 
I'd let myself fall into this trap a couple of times this season. It's like, well, we should be playing better than this because look at what we were doing last season. And you can't do that because every season is different. You know, we had, I think it was 26, 27 injuries throughout the season, nine of which were to defensive players. I mean, Vestergaard's come in, he's taken a lot of stick and I've given a lot of stick out as well. But when you think about it, and I know hindsight's an amazing thing, he came into a defence that was not was struggling anyway. He was a sort of a very much a, a you know covering for Farn. I don't think Brendan expected him to play that many games, but he didn't know who he was going to be playing with one week to the next. No, absolutely. Uh, you know he's found a tough first to guard. You have to say uh, to settle in, and as you know, as you say, when he has got any struggle, he's done well in certain games. Other games he struggled. Uh, the four formation that Brendan wants to play probably doesn't suit him. He, he always played in th- three centre halves. Yeah. Uh, at Southampton, uh, and obviously Brendan's pref- probably preferred formation is is playing with two centre halves and two full backs. So yeah, it has been a bit of a struggle win for him. Yeah. Uh, Vesta guard. There's there's there, there, there's no sort of hiding behind that. But I'm not saying it was a panic buy. But at that stage where, you know, Leicester were struggling going into the season for centre-halves, then he had to get somebody in quick. And he fit the bill at that moment in time. And it was a bit of a gamble. And it's fair to say that the gamble probably hasn't paid off. But hindsight's a wonderful thing. You know, Brendan had a decision to make. He needed a a defender in. Mm. Best of guard was available at the right price. You know, we haven't got on to the transfer kitty yet. There wasn't as much money available to Brendan as there has been in recent seasons. Of course, yes. And so that was that was a decision that Brendan had to make there and then to bring in a centre-half at the right money, available and, and hopefully at the right standard. And unfortunately, yes. struggled a bit this season. I mean, yeah, when you look at, obviously, we weren't expecting the injury to Fafana. To, yeah. that, that was... Uh, that was well, let's not get on to that. But the fact that within a week we'd got another defender in ready to go shows how quickly we responded. And like you say, you, you could not see what was coming up for the rest of the season. But no, uh, absolutely. You know, and I'd love to see what he does next season when we get a more settled sort of team and what have you. So that that will be interesting. But let's start with some well, not really let's start. Let, let's go back and start to the start of the season. And start with some good news. I mean, people call it the Community Shield. I I prefer it to be called the English Super Cup because that's what they call it in other countries. Um, at Ma- okay, you can say Manchester City didn't particularly put a strong team out. It doesn't matter. We we, we won it having won the FA Cup, um, yeah. and you know we probably played better in a way when we lost to Man United in the last one, but. Kelechi and Acho on the back of the form last season, very coolly stood up and took it. I was there with my son, which was amazing. You know, I've never been to Wembley with my son and seen us win anything. So it was an amazing feeling. But it was a good feel, good start to the season, wasn't it? It was. It was. Uh, and like you say, it's another trophy in the cabinet. It, you know, mm. you've already said it. You can only beat what's put in front of a man said he... You know, you're right, didn't particularly feel the strong side, but you know, that's neither here nor there, if you're asking. Mm. Uh, yeah. And it's always, you know, playing in a, a game like that at Wembley with, okay, you know, you can debate whether or not people say, is it a competitive game, yes or no? It, it's immaterial. It's, it's a great way to get your season underway before it actually starts, before the season actually starts, is to play in a, in a game of that magnitude mm. at Wembley Stadium. And so when you're in that moment as a player and as a manager and as a coaching staff, then what what this community shield stands for uh, is neither here nor there. You're, yeah. you're, you're playing in Wembley to win a game of football the week before the actual season starts. So it's a great fillet. It's a great opener. It's a great way to get, uh, you know, your match fitness to a real premium before the season starts. You want to win it as a player, don't you? You know, you're at Wembley, like you said, 
and all this sort of all the you know the players didn't perform for this game or they didn't perform for that game they don't go out and not want to perform they don't just say well i'm not gonna i'm gonna have a bit easy today they go out and as a sportsman you want to win every game and winning a trophy and parading that trophy around the ground to your fans that means so much doesn't it yeah without a doubt yeah you're spot on i mean you know players at the end they're only human yeah. Uh, but their attitude is they they focus on a game by game basis. It's really difficult. The most difficult thing about being a professional footballer is not necessarily the fitness levels. It's the focus levels. Mm. Uh, and sometimes you could say that the focus on certain games hasn't been what it should have been. But that's where the human element comes into it. Yes. Uh, but. You know, in saying that, like like you've already said, you're playing in the game at Wembley. It's against Man City. It's for a, it's for a trophy. Yeah. So in my mind, it's a competitive game, no matter what anybody else says, because it's yeah. something for grabs. Definitely. And, and at the end of the day, they won it. It's as simple you, as that. It'll go, down, it'll go down in the record books as a Leicester win. So it doesn't really matter what anybody else says. It does exactly either. If we'd lost it, I would be calling it obviously the Community Shield. But yeah. because we won it, that's why it's the English Super Cup. Um, that we did well in. Um, we obviously that was on the back of an amazing FA Cup win, and you know that I, I was watching. I didn't get to Wembley for that one. I was watching it on the TV with my son. Uh, we were both in tears at the end of it. Um, and I think we're both in tears after um, after this match as well because we kind of went out with a whimper, didn't we? And I think it made it worse that it was against Forest. Now, to my, I couldn't understand because this was right in the middle of the COVID crisis. Yeah, we played Watford the the, the um, tie before, and we'd ended up I think with four or five um, under twenty threes on the pitch. Yeah. And we beat Watford, wherever you say they're a Premier League team, we beat them 4-1. We then get the, the, the big players back, if you like, um, and we go to Forest and we lose it 4-1. I mean, it kind of, that, that kind of sums our season up in two games, doesn't it? Well, if you go back to what I just said a bit earlier, there's been games this season where the focus probably hasn't been right. And mm. this is definitely one of those games. I don't, I'm not sure why that was. I'm not sure whether or not some of the players didn't understand what, uh, you know, the East Midlands rivalry between certain clubs, uh, including Forest and Leicester. There's obviously a rivalry, or not, not you know, obviously not as as big as the Derby Forest, but definitely a yeah. rivalry there. And uh, whether or not all the players got the memo that day, because <laughs> the Forest players definitely got the memo. Yes. But the Leicester, the Leicester players didn't. And that was a game where, for me, the focus, the mental attitude of some of the players wasn't quite right. And, mm. you know, when you look at Forest, Forest have got some players who are good enough to play in the Premier League. No yes. doubt about it. Yeah. You know, so they went out that day and, and you know, deserved to win it. It's yeah. as simple as that, yeah. Chris. And, and for me, it wasn't about the physicality. Of the game, it was just about how some of the players approached the beginning of that game. It started right from the off for me. Do you think, and this is the guy I said at the time, and I'm not against, you know, um, European, Asian, African or whatever players coming into the league. I, obviously, all it does is enhance it and makes it a better league. But do you think they don't get the derbies like, you know, uh, you know, English fans or English-based fans do. I don't know. I'm sure there's derbies all over the there's derbies all over the mm. world where there's you know tension in the crowd, tension between fans, tension between players, uh, mm. and even you know both benches at certain times during a game. So I'm not quite sure about that. I'm, but obviously, it's one of the less well-known yeah. rivalries in football. Uh, but well, sure. Gary Lineker did put it in the top 10 in his Match of the Day special, but I think that might have been blue-tinted spectacles. Yeah, I think if you were to have a rerun of that game, I'm sure that that result would not recreate itself. Let's put it that way. Yeah. 
no. And, and I think the definitely understand what it means to play against Forest if you're if you're playing for Leicester. Yeah, just quickly to stick on Forest, they're obviously in the playoffs this weekend against Huddersfield. Yeah. Um, for me, out of the four teams, I would have loved to have seen Luton come up because they've not been up yet, and I like to see those sort of clubs um, like the like the Brentfords come up and have a go at it. As a as, as an ex Leicester player, as a commentator. Do you want Forest to come up so we can have two local derbies next year, or would you sooner say, "Nah, let's keep them down in the uh, in the second tier"? Uh, good question. Uh, I think it'd be great for East Midlands mm. if Forest came up. No matter how you know your association, as far as whether you like Forest or not, or yeah. But I think for East Midlands as a whole, then it. It just generates a lot more publicity. There's a lot more. There's a, there's a bit more favour pitch around the place, especially in the build-up. Yes, yeah. Be, and you might get Sky actually showing those two games I'm as well. I, I'm not saying it's, it should be something you're looking. You know, well, I'm, I'm going to say it should be something you're looking forward to. Potentially yeah. points off for us next season. What's not to look forward to? Good man, good. I mean, we should say as well, because we've got Derby, we're in the second tier. And I should say, as much as we've got the rival with Derby, and yes, we know we can kind of laugh at them dropping into the third tier, but I'm I'm really pleased that they didn't go out of business. Because yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't wish any club to do that. We've been there ourselves. We know what it's like. But I've got to give credit to the job Wayne Rooney did there. I mean, you know, so many points left. He could have gone off and walked off to Everton, but he stayed at Derby. And he, he nearly pulled off the impossible, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great achievement. Your first job as a football manager going into Derby, who have got a magnitude of issues and troubles. The So he's got to try and negotiate them. He's trying to negotiate a, t- a possible takeover that is still ongoing. You know, I'm mm-hmm. reading new stuff every day on Twitter about it. Yeah. Like, why doesn't this just get sorted out? Uh and so, yeah, when Rooney, like, you know, we swimming against the tide, basically, the moment he went in and decided to be a manager. But he knew, he probably knew what he was taking on before he took the job and was probably yeah. just desperate to get a chance to become a manager. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's he's done himself no harm, that's for sure, in, in the job that he's done. Yeah, indeed. And we'll, we'll move on now and, um, well... I'm not in favour with European competitions of if you fail in one competition that you drop down into the one underneath. You know, we nearly saw um, Manchester United win the Europa League because they'd failed in the Champions League. I don't yeah. agree with that, but it is what it is. It's what we've got to live with. Um, Europe, it was if it ever was a roller coaster ride, this was it. You know, we're in the Europa League. It started out so well that 2-2 nil up at Napoli. All right, it was a 2-2 draw at the end. But what a good start. And then the Europa League itself on the last day, I think any I think we were all top, you know, all four teams were top at some point. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a right, it was a nail biter right till the end, wasn't it? And uh, it was. yeah. I think I said that. I was saying this is gonna go all the way down to the last kick and the last ball in the last minute of the mm. last game. And it it seemingly went that way. Yeah. You know, you had four teams who were all capable of taking points off each other. Uh, and, you know, it was just unfortunate that Leicester just couldn't get that result they needed to, you know, to get themselves into the knockout stages of I mean, the Europa League. And it just shows you how, what a tough league it is. Indeed, indeed. And I always say, like, you know, how often, how many years did it take Man City to actually progress out of the groups in the yeah. Champions League. You know, it, it took them a while. Um, we then went down into the conference. Now, Napoli, and this was, again, was something that divided the fans. For yourself, Jerry, would you soon have been in Napoli, Leicester to be in Napoli's shoes, where you get through and you have a great game against Barcelona, or drop down into the conference, where we actually went up going probably further than we would have done? Yeah, I know, again, it's... It's a hard one. I mm. think it's a hard one to try and analyze it. Then, like you say, you know, I was in, I was in Eindhoven. Obviously, watched the games against uh, 
uh, Roma mm. was for you know two two top teams. Yeah, Bayern's a, a very good team as well. So there's three really good teams in a in a third tier European competition, uh, and obviously Leicester getting getting through against two of them was no mean feat. Absolutely fantastic. Mm. So you probably just about are on that side, to be honest with you, because it kept the season alive for a lot of people. You know, it, we're yeah. just sort of going through that little lull in the, in the league at that time, yeah, and yeah. the one shining light was we were still in that Europa Conference League. Mm. Uh, so probably just about, but you know, if you qualify for a competition by right. And then you get through the stages and you're coming up against a team like Barcelona. And that, that's one of the pinnacles of your career as a player. Yeah. And so I, I can see where, you know, we qualified that for that competition on merit. We've reached knockout stages and we're playing Barcelona. Then that is, I deserve to be here as yeah, a player. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I can see where, I can see where that would be a little bit crushing as an individual mm. because you didn't get to play against a team like Barcelona in a competition that you you know you had qualified for on merit yes. and then you were going down into another competition that as you said before you you, you miss out on one competition you, you get three on that well we used to call it the plate competition we was on <laughs> yeah so you didn't get kicked out but you went through a different competition so I can yeah. see that but I think when you analyse it and take it where we were in that time, I think definitely the Europe, the, the Conference League competition was a really good thing for, for everyone involved at Leicester. And I think it took a bit of... I don't think calling it the uh, the conference was a good thing for, for England because we obviously, for me anyway, when I think conference, I think sort of fifth tier of football, part-timers, etc., and then just tagging it onto the Europa <laughs> probably didn't give it the this thing that it probably deserved. Yeah. But obviously, a lot of teams were sort of Arsenal fans. I'd sooner not qualify for Europe than qualify, you know, um, for the Conference League. Man United fans, they're saying, well, if we were to qualify, we'd just use it to put the kids out. Well, we can see what Man United do next season with it. Um, yeah. But to me, I mean, that that is sort of, I, I think, I suppose, a top six Fan base sort of idea to me. It's a European Cup, and when you got through to the semi-final, uh, the quarter-finals, <laughs> taking out Blood Glimt, there was you know seven teams in there that had all been yeah. in the Champions League within the last 10, 10 seasons. Yeah, and that was the most surprising thing. You look at the final; mm. it's Roma against Feyenoord, two experienced teams in Europe. Uh, mm. And as you say, you know you had Eindhoven, Rennes, uh, one or two others. I can't. Their names escape me. I'm sure you've got the list. I haven't got the list. But no, no. some pedigree teams, like you say, still in the competition. Yeah. Marseille, quite, for example. Marseille, you know. yeah, Marseille were, were, were the other semi-finalists, weren't they? Yeah. So yeah. some big, big teams left yeah. in the competition. Yes. And, I, you know, the fact that you know, Rose, um, Rosie, <laughs> Josie uh, is actually, I don't know who Rosie is. That might have let me cut out <laughs> the bag. <laughs> Josie, I mean, he's taking it seriously. He really wants to win this. And then, obviously, he's, he's won all three. And um, to me, a European competition is a competition. And I'm proud of the fact that we got through to the semi-final and we went out to really what was a big team with a big manager. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, mm. you know, they have one chance in both legs. Mm. More than both. One proper yeah. chance. Yeah. Uh, but again, a good team, that's all you need to do, really, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's it. They did their homework. They obviously yes. were, you know, susceptible from set pieces. They had seven or eight players who were six foot plus, whereas Leicester in Rome had two who were six yeah. foot plus. And in the end, that was the difference. Now, you talked about the injuries earlier. Had Wilfred and Davey been fit, would that have made a difference on the night? Who knows? But you'd like yeah. to say that Rome would have found things slightly more difficult than what they did from that from that corner kick uh, and scoring that and scoring that goal in the second leg. Uh, cool. So. 
You know, we we can debate that till the cows come home. Oh, but... yes, yes, we could. I mean, just you mentioned corners, and we, we can't we can't avoid it. We've been awful at them um, most of the season, and I, I never forget that there was there was a commentary I was listening to. I think it was either Sky, obviously Sky or BT, and the opposition had got a, a corner, and the commentator said, "Well, it's a corner to whichever team it was." Uh, against Leicester, that's as good as a goal. And within, he hadn't even finished saying it, and the opposition had scored. Eventually, obviously, it was changed, but the fans were screaming out and saying, like, you know, this this zonal marking just wasn't working. Yeah. Uh, well, he, he, I think he's tried everything, Brendan, this season, hasn't he? Mm. I know he, when he came in, he, he started with a zonal marking. Went so far this season with it, changed it to semi-zonal, man-to-man marking. Yeah. Uh, he, then he changed it. I think it was against Tottenham. He changed it where Wesley Fafana was going to stand on the edge of a six-yard box and just attack every ball. Harry Kane had a free header. He missed time to jump, I think, Fafana, mm. which was unfortunate. So you can't say that the manager and the coaching staff aren't trying everything. On the power. But again, I think talking from someone who used to defend a lot of set pieces as a for mm-hmm. a living. Yeah. What I what I don't see is as a collective is people and this is again I'll go back to the mindset. This is all to do with the mindset. This is all to do with with a psychology of a player. Is you have to want to go and head the ball. Mm-hmm. Um the problem with zonal marking is there's too many variables there for yeah. someone to go and head the ball. Yeah, because you're given a an area of space to to stand in. And anything that comes with inside that space, it's your job to go and head it. But there's too many grey areas in that in itself. Mm-hmm. I used to mark zonally as well with, uh, earlier on in, in my career, and I didn't like it. I'd rather mm. I was someone who was like who liked being given the responsibility of stopping someone from scoring. Because everything's a bit more black and white now. If you're a man, it is. yeah. But yeah. I, I was also someone who wanted to go and head the ball. Mm. And I think I'm not saying that they don't want to go and head the ball, but I think at times the commitment or the decision making process. And going to head the ball, either takes too long, or they can't make their mind up whether or not that it's their ball, or they're going to leave it for somebody else. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of the problems have have arisen for Leicester last season. Yeah, yeah. Do you think? I mean, let's have a look. I mean, this is this is how the table finished. I mean, all I was saying in the last three or four games was, please just get to that top. I wanted to be on the first graphic on match of the day when they looked at the uh, looked at the table and they brought it up. I wanted to be in that top half. That was that was it for me. And of course, they we did finish eighth, which was an extra couple of million. It's not to be sniffed at, in fairness. Um, but do you think sometimes, like I would say, we'd had two very good seasons uh yes basically you can't deny it you know two fifth places an fa cup a community shield um you know two two seasons of, of europe and every now and again a club does have a season when it kind of struggles a little bit and maybe it has to, like brendan sort of hinted at maybe it has to reinvent itself you know have a shuffle round but it's all part of, of football you cannot sort of build on success all the time can you well, it, it's difficult. It's difficult, Chris, because, mm. you know, Leicester are a team that, although they're not a selling club anymore, they do sell yeah. players. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Ben Chilwell was the last one to be sold, if yeah. memory serves me, for, you know, for, a, you know, the amount of money. Because he yeah. was the last one. And then, trying to find players to come in and replace the players you've lost. Like, you know, Mares we sold Mares to Man City. We yeah. haven't replaced Mares. We haven't found a replacement for him. And we've been trying for the last two or three seasons to find a replacement for him, and it just hasn't happened. Mm. Uh, you know, we're trying to find a replacement for Jimmy Vardy. 
You know, we're trying to bring in yeah. centre forwards who who will eventually take over the mantle from Jamie Vardy as he as he you know moves on in, in his years. And it's yeah. not easy. You know, and this is the problem that but the longer it takes you to find that player, the more the transfer uh price goes up mm. on, on an individual, whether he's world class, whether he comes out of nowhere, or whether he comes out of you know, he's a well-established player somewhere on the continent or somewhere in England. The, yeah. the transfer price year on year keeps going up and up and up. And mm. unfortunately for Leicester, they're not at that level where they can go out and compete. With Let's face it, you just read off the league table there. The top six are as is mm. in regards to size of transfer kiddies, but, you know, yeah. the budget, stadium sizes and everything else. The top six is as it should be, let's say. And then next there's West Ham and then Leicester. Yes. Okay. So Leicester to finish eighth in the season. Well, the season that they've had. Uh, and the top six to actually finish in the top six. The top six so-called biggest clubs to finish yeah. in that order. Okay, not in the order. But we're finishing, i.e. your Man United uh, and maybe your Arsenal's. But that's the way the season's gone. Mm. Sometimes, okay, it's not it's not ideal, but that's football. Yeah. And some, yeah. sooner or later, the money that's invested in clubs, uh, whether it's Arsenal who were struggling, who've been struggling for a few seasons, Tottenham don't know whether they're coming or going. Mm. Seems like they're active, active Geller on the Conte. Manchester United, God only knows what's happening there. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're going to look back at the season and go, well, as bad as it was, it wasn't as bad as Man United. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I mean, let's get real for a minute. You know, you really do need to just sit back, analyse what's actually happened to this football club in the last five or six years. Yes. And, and maybe next season, no European football will be the best thing that's ever happened. No. We won the title last time that happened, didn't we? Well, but it's very true what you're saying about the top six being the top six. I mean, the last two seasons, <clears throat> excuse me, everybody was going on about, oh, we bottled fourth. I don't see it that way. I think we overachieved to get to fifth for, yeah. for who less the world. I think when you're in that situation as a player and a manager with the points uh, in hands, and, and you'll all be said, well, have points on the board and, game and games in hand anyway. But mm. so when you're in that situation and, and you sort of, I'm not going to say blow up, but it just gets away from you on the last day of the season twice. Then that is hard to take, I have to say. But you're right in saying to be in that situation on the last day of the season for the last two seasons, the end with a chance of finishing top four, it is a monumental achievement by any standard. Yeah. It really is. And again, I think that's lost on a few people and it shouldn't be. No, 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 not at all. Like I say, you know, <laughs> it was amazing that, that we, we we are now even, you know, being talked about in that sort of uh, context. But the thing was, when we did finish fifth, the, the, there was no Arsenal. They, they were, in, in, like you said, in demise. Yeah. You said again, Tottenham were in demise. And there was no other team coming through apart from Leicester that was kind of challenging. Now, this season... You've had Arsenal and Tottenham have got their act together. Yeah. Uh, West Ham have been there for a second season. You've had like, of, like the likes of Wolves and Brighton maybe looking at There's more people going for that role that there was only us going for a couple of seasons ago. Absolutely. And, and that's turned the league, the league sort of, I don't know, trying to pull itself together. I bet, you know, clubs are, and fans are fed up of other clubs, you know, not achieving or the expectations that, you know, like the Arsenal and the Tottenham's. And this season, they've, they've pulled it right. And West Ham have been a threat all season. Mm. All right, they've tailed away. Uh, but as I say, the top six are, are, is as it you would think it should be in yeah. regard to the size of the football clubs. So nobody yeah. can really have any arguments there. And you, and you throw into the mix the injuries and the COVID, the games that were postponed mm. to COVID and then heaped on us right at the back end of the season when you're already in the middle of a a European campaign. Yes. I mean, and you're still missing one, two, three of your your, your key players. 
Mm-hmm. And this goes back to strength and depth of your squad. Leicester don't have the strength and depth of squad that other clubs do. And even mm-hmm. one player in Mulford and Deedy being out missing for that last one in is a massive blow to a team like Leicester. A mm-hmm. massive blow. Is that integral? As good as uh, Papi Mendy's done in the league, his physical stature and his presence, especially from i.e. defending set pieces, just isn't the same. Uh, and so that that plays its part in a a ten to fifteen game mini season, and that's where the likes of Wolfer and Didi have been sorely missed. Oh, definitely. But funny you mentioned Mendy because I was just going to ask um, because some players they've had to come and stand and take that step up and stand up and be counted and fill in. Mendy's one of them, and Marte's another. Yeah. I mean, they're they're not necessarily you know. Normally, first name choices on on the team sheet, but the, none of them have really let us down badly, you know. In an Amate, I can remember at the um, at the uh, Community Shield walking up, hearing the team announced, hearing Amate's name, and all the Leicester fans, oh no, you know. <laughs> but end of the season, it was like, why has he dropped Amate? What with Amate? These players have come through, you know. Child is another one. Um, who, you know, <laughs> that game when we beat Liverpool, he was immense in it. Um, yeah. Obviously, the worry is that we might lose some of these now, and we'll come on to transfers in a minute, but some of these, you know, edge of uh, edge of first-team players, if you like, have, have stood up this season. Yeah, and you need them. Hmm. You need squad players. You need people that are, I'm not saying they're happy, but are willing you know, to play 15 games, 20 games a season and not always be first choice. And that's yeah. what Dan Amate and Papi Mendy have done. You know, Papi mm. Mendy when he wasn't even in the, the the Premier League squad to begin with. But I think mm. for him, you know, going to the African Cup of Nations and winning it was, I mean, done his confidence to work it good. And I'm fair play to Brendan for reversing his decision that he made on Papi Mendy mm. and then bringing him back in the full... Is, is, you know, probably his hands might have been tied. He needed players, but Mendy has rewarded him. Yes. Essentially with his performance. And the same with Dan Amate. Very versatile Amate, as we know. Mm. But, you know, slowly but surely, especially when Fafana uh, and Evans were out and uh, Vestergaard, you know, wasn't first mm. choice, then Dan Amate and, and Soyuncu you know, help drag Leicester through that yeah. really hard little period. And, you know, actually helped them get a couple of really good results. You know, the one that springs to mind is is Burnley away. When, oh, yeah. When, yeah. when Madison and Vardy came back and came on and both scored the goals. Mm. But, you know, it was it was Amate and Soyan to our defence, making sure that it stayed nil-nil all the way through a couple of those games. And, and let the flair players were able to come on and win the game for us. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's very true. And, and that leads very nicely on to... Um, oops, hang on. It, it would do if I pressed the right button. Um, transfer window is nearly upon us. Yeah. Um, a lot of fans, me included, are shouting, for God's sake, just go and sign Luckman. Whatever yeah. else we do in this window, window, get him to put pen to paper. I mean, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Of course we don't. But he's got to be considering making that move permanent, hasn't he? You would have thought so. I think he likes it here. I think, you know, the manager likes him. I think he's still a little bit inconsistent for me, but he's a wide player and they're notoriously inconsistent. (laughs) For Harvey Barnes this season, has been inconsistent by his standards. Uh you know, you only really have Mr. Reliable, Mark Albrighton, who never seems, you know, to flinch, well, you know, from a six and a seven every week. Mm. Uh, if you if you look at Luckman's career, you mean he's, he's been a, he's been about a lot. He's had a lot of clubs in a short space of time. Hasn't yeah. really found a, a home that suited him or where he's felt, this is where I, I'm going to play my best football. Have we seen that while he's been on loan at Leicester? Yeah, we've seen some great stuff from him. It's like some really, you know, uh, creative attack and play, goals to boot. Is there more to come? Yes, I think 
he needs to reach those levels on a lot more occasions. Mm. Can he do that if he's here on a permanent basis? Possibly. And these are probably the things that are going through Brendan Brendan Rogers' mind and, and other people's minds. Why has he had so many clubs in a short space of time? Why has mm. he not flourished at any one place? Why is he flourishing unknown here? What happens if sign him? If Hussain does go back into his shell again and yeah. just a, a squad player, a bit bar player who comes on and does it once every five or six games. These are all the questions you've got to ask yourself because, you know, it's a big, big investment. You know, as I said mm. to you before, you, you, you're trying to find that missing link between your real Morris's of this world when Leicester were on top form, who, who you know, between him and Jamie Vardy, you yeah. know, made the team tick. And at the minute, is has Adam Ola Luckman got the potential to fill Riyad Morris's boots? Yes, to a degree. Mm. But in my mind, have we seen enough of that? Don't know. At times, yeah. yes, we have. And he's definitely somebody, somebody on, on the tip of a lot of people's tongues. But do you think this was a hard season for him to to really show anything with the way it's been injury wise and COVID and cancellations? It's it's been he's not been able to maybe show that consistency. But if you but compare to other players available as well, that could, could come as at a similar price to Luckman. Yeah, they have done more for different clubs. Yes. And so again, so. One name I seen was was the guy at Burnley, Corney, who looks yes. a really exciting player. Yes, I'm not saying that's somebody that Brendan would go for, but he's definitely a player that's good not too good to play in the championship. Oh so yeah, he'll be on a transfer target for a lot of Premier League clubs. Like, what does he bring that Lookman doesn't bring? These are all the questions mm -hmm. you've got to ask. Yeah, as a manager, and yes, Lookman is definitely on that list, and I'd say he's pretty close to the top but that doesn't mean that you've got to go and just jump in and sign him there's a lot of debate that'll have to go on before that's done it's a very 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 good point i mean talking to transfer windows i think i think we've accepted tillemans is going to go um I, it would be would it would it be wrong to if he if he doesn't find a club because he obviously wants to play in the champions league so whichever club he's going to go to i think is has got to obviously be able to offer him that if he doesn't go we've obviously got the risk of losing him for free anyway so surely it is in the club's interest to say come on we've been talking now for a year you're not going to sign let let's see where you can go yeah, it's a subject I don't like speaking about because he's a top, top guy and he's yeah. a better player than he is human being. Uh, and he's obviously a player who's come in and transformed, you know, transformed uh, the football that the club plays at the minute. I mean, he's a top, top player. Yes. And losing him uh, will be almost as big as when Jamie Vardy decides to hang his mm -hmm. boots up. Yes, he, and it's hard to try and. I'm sure Brendan has a plan for it, uh, but how do you replace a player of that quality? Some of the football that guy's capable of is yeah. just mind blowing. Uh, so yeah, it's going. It's difficult. It's difficult, Chris. It's difficult to know where Yuri's at as far as his mind. Well, or not, you know. Yes, he wants to play Champions League. And yes, he's good enough to play Champions League. So, yes, yeah. I suppose as a football club, you have to accept that. And you I know? think he will go with 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 most fans' good wishes. Absolutely, yeah. it's where he goes. Yeah, that's the issue for Yuri. Is where where is he going to go? Yeah. All right, I know Arsenal have. What are you getting Tottenham's team? Absolutely. What are you getting Arsenal's team? Absolutely. What are you? The only other team team he, he would be able to go to for me in my mind would then be abroad. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, he may go abroad, you know. All the papers are saying he's going to this English or that English club, but you know, yeah. he may he may decide <laughs> he wants to go abroad. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. definitely, if he leaves Leicester, which as as you rightly say, a lot of fans will you know applaud him and go there with with open hands and say, "Well done, you've been brilliant for us," but. 
it, it leaves a big, big hole in that midfield. A yeah. big, big hole. Definitely, definitely. Last question before I let you go, and I appreciate you, you know, your time and everything. England squad announced yesterday. Um, I did a show with 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 um, with Dan, who was a Burnley fan, and he said to me, you know, which Leicester players would, would you put in the squad? And I said Justin and Madison. Justin's in. Really, really pleased for the guy. I don't know what Madison has got to do, to be honest with you. Does he now look to see if he's got an Irish grandfather or a, or a Welsh aunt or something? <laughs> so in, managers just don't seem to like certain players. And he's obviously yeah. off the radar. But, you know, he's played more times than Grealish. You know, he's got more goals, more assists than Grealish. Yeah. What has the guy got to do? I don't know. <laughs> None of us know, do we? <laughs> you, know. you know, I voted for him for a player of the season, uh, and he got that. I think he's been brilliant. Again, another shining light in what's been, you know, a roller coaster of a season. His assists mm. and his goals speak for themselves. It's, I think it's his highest ever return yeah. uh, since he started professional football. Uh, and so, in answer to your question, I don't know, Chris. Like you say, certain managers, all I can think of is certain managers have picked players in the past and they've never let them down as far as England are concerned. The likes of your Mason Mounts, Jack Grealish's, yeah, and so on and so forth. And so for James Madison to get into uh, Southgate squad, he has to uh, he has to have done something really exceptional. Yeah. Mind. And is he is he changing like for like, even though his goals turn is a lot better than I think Mason Mount's got has Mason Mount been involved in 20 goals this season or something like that? He's, he's been a fair few, definitely. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. is that why am I am I gonna leave Grealish or Mount out and bring Madison in? No, because these two okay, Grealish hasn't had the season that uh he probably would have wanted, even though it's still yeah. been a good season for him. But he's been there, seen it and done it with Gareth Southgate. Gareth Southgate knows how he ticks, know what makes him, uh, know, you know what makes him get out on a pitch and play for him. He's had already had one or two dealings with Madison in the past that, you know, according, yeah. you know, according to what sources you listen to, didn't go according to plan. Yeah. So maybe that's one of the reasons why it's it's obviously not based on football ability. No, but do you not think, like you said there very rightly, that he knows what Grealish can offer, yeah. he knows what certain other players can offer. This, I know it's you know, it's the Nations League, so there's a trophy, blah, 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 but we've kind of got the World Cup coming up at the end of yeah, the Yeah, I know, this is all massive preparation for the World Cup. Massive. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so why isn't he, to me, I couldn't understand why he wasn't saying, I know what Grealish can do. Let's give Madison a go. Let him prove himself. You know, we know what Kane can do, so let's give uh, Watkins a chance to prove himself. To me, if a fan, you know, if any of his fans said, "Oh, we haven't won the Nations League," we wouldn't be crying in our coffee. M managers invariably don't think like that, Chris. Mm. Don't think. Let's have a look at him, or let's look at Gareth Southgate. Travels around the country week in week out looking at players. He knows exactly. Uh, what he wants and who and who he can get it out of, and that's the way to work, you know. Because they only have so many games a season. I I don't believe that they think. Well, let's have a look at him, or let's have a look at this player or that player. Invariably, I mean, there might be the odd one that truck that you know, uh, you know that box the and but invariably he sticks with what he's got and he tries to get that that feeling that good that good. Uh, Good vibe feeling between the mm. players as as often as possible because they only meet up every other month or whenever it is. Mm. So he wants to keep that that little community tight together, and he wants them all sort of spinning and banging off each other. And in fairness, let's say he's, he's not had a bad run as England manager. Has he no, really, you know, not doing too much wrong, is it? No. Not that I, not that I follow England. I have to no, say, no, of course you don't. No, you, you were possibly the wrong no. person to ask him. I'll, I'll be following Johnny Evans. Closely. Yes, 
Of well, you, you need to you need to get through. those books out and, and do a bit of Ancestry.com or whatever it is on James Madison. See if he's got yeah. any Irish blood in him. I think James just needs... I think because it's the World Cup season, yeah, it's a World Cup mm. year. Yeah. And if it wasn't a World Cup year, then James probably would have had a good chance of, of finding himself in a squad. But as I said, this preparation now going into a World Cup year is massive and I just think Gareth Southgate knows exactly, barring one or two players, what he wants and who he wants. And he's going to rumble that between now and November. That, I might be wrong. But point. And of course, we remember Roy Hodgson going into a World Cup and not having any idea what his best lineup was. So we can't, hey, we're fans. We're never happy, are we? We're never happy. Well, Jerry. I really appreciate because this is your time. I really appreciate you giving your time up to come on and do this. Thank you so very, very much. No problem. Massive congratulations on winning the, you know, Less Until I Die X Players League. <laughs> Hopefully, you'll be back next season to defend it. Yeah. All the best to you and all your family. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks a lot, Chris. Take care, Jerry. Thank you. Many, many thanks to Jerry. He talks sense. <laughs> something I something I haven't learned to do yet. That is the difference between him and me. He talks sense. I just waffle. But he's made some very, very good points there. You know, um you know, yes, we as fans think uh Madison maybe should have gone. Uh but then again, if he doesn't go, he's not gonna get injured. Um he made some good points about Vestergaard, Knott's Forest and Derby. Our, our corners, um, uh, and obviously the likes of Amati and Mendy. A very, very, very good um, interview, and I really appreciate his time in coming on. You know, he gives up his time, which is his own personal time, to come on and do these things. Really appreciate it. Top guy, top player, absolutely total respect to him. Uh, if you haven't already, and this hasn't, well, it has gone out live, but it's not, it's gone out at this time because... Uh, when it can be fitted in, so it's going to be premiered later. Um, if you haven't already and you are watching this, please just give us a subscribe on YouTube. It was really, really would be much appreciated. Please do subscribe. And if you haven't already, there is a new channel that's about New Kid on the Block, Football versus Cancer. Uh, it's run by a good friend of mine. Um, and he is obviously doing it for, you know, um, getting it out there, getting people to know it, especially men's cancer. We tend to sort of poo-poo it a lot. But um, Football versus Cancer is on Twitter. It's on YouTube as football versus cancer. If you haven't already, it is a great, great cause. Go over there and, and subscribe. His details are in the description below on YouTube. Uh, thank you for watching. If you have been on YouTube, uh, whether this is live or catch up, and if you've been listening on your favorite podcast platform, whatever that is, the main ones are up there. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time to do that as well. Really do appreciate it. Um, I'll see you. I will see you soon. Take care. Enjoy yourself, but don't do anything I wouldn't enjoy. <laughs> Goodbye now. Watch us on YouTube. Listen on your favourite podcast platform. Or ask your smart speaker to play the podcast Lester Till I Die. Subscribe, like, follow and join in now. Broadcasting live worldwide. Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Ultimate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.